Rapping Granny, which was like a... Oh, yeah. A hip, huh? A hippie to the hippity. Uh, I remember that uh, David Letterman really sunk his teeth into the Rapping Granny. She, like, made into his monologues several... You know how David Letterman yeah. just, like, beats a dead horse and then, like, resurrects it to beat it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was, like, the Rapping Granny was a mainstay in his monologue for, like, two and a half weeks when Wedding Singer came out. And then back to Buttafuoco after that. Probably back yeah. to Buttafuoco. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot. This is the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they were any good. My name's DJ. And that sipping gentleman over there... Professional. Is Actually, David. by definition, not professional, amateur, <laughs> podcaster, excuse me. How you doing, dames? <sighs> hydrated. You feeling good and hydrated? A little H2O, no you didn't. Oh, no? That's my new I mean, we're keeping character. that podcast... Under the under wraps for now. I don't want to get that. Okay. H two O. No, you didn't. Yeah. I want to just. I don't want to get that. That's not public okay. yet. Today we're talking about oh. the wedding singer. Thank you. The third. If you look it up in the Library of Congress, you'll need to include the the wedding, wedding singer, singer. Comma the. Well, this is the third in our Adam Sandler trilogy. This is the pre punch drunk love Adam Sandler. Yes, I think this is like. I mean, I'm sure he did other movies, but I think this is the third like true like adam sandler joint right i separated because i feel like punch drug and glove was like oh he's really gonna do it he's really gonna go out there and make yeah. good movies and then he's like uh, no i don't want to do that he was like that was hard <laughs> i'm gonna go back to sleepwalking <laughs> through movies although there was like grown up six was big daddy was after this one and there was like water boy oh, those were water all kind boy. of around this time yeah so i don't know if it's technically the third but I it feels remember. like the, the third big daddy might be before I think it's Wedding 90. Singer. I think it's after this. Oh, it is. I mean, we'll we'll look at we'll definitely look it up. <laughs> Can't be bothered. This is, is if you came here for hardcore research, you came to the wrong podcast, my <laughs> friend. We're going to casually talk about things using only our memories, which are not great. Um, do you have any connection? I know you hate both of the stars of this movie. Is that I do like hate This is a great ironic movie for me because I hate Adam Sandler. I hate Drew Barrymore. And That's I you being like ironic, this movie. that face. I was oh. oh. Um, but I like this movie. Okay. So sometimes two wrongs do make a right. That's right. Sometimes the ends justify the means. I remember like growing up because I loved the first two movies we watched growing up, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. And this one I was like, yeah, that was good, but it was like the ma- more mainstream, and I think that now I'm going to like this more because I think it right. maybe is more of a movie instead of. I like think a it is more sketch. of a movie with a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> yeah, that just doesn't go off like a stoner rail like at the end. I think there's still plenty of Sandlerisms, though. I mean, like oh, yeah. ob- obviously he's in it, but I mean, like the kind of like it's almost like a proto. Well, not proto. It was like around the same time as, as Family Guy started now, but like, like. That cut the cutaway kind of humor, like it's it's oh. of that same ilk. I feel mm-hmm. like, like you know, a pee in your pants is cool. Consider me Miles Davis. You know, like I feel like it, that wasn't a cutaway, but it was. Is has that, that a line that, from this movie? That was from Billy Madison. Oh, okay. but it still it feels like <laughs> I made no memories about that. I guess <laughs> I just feel like it's it's of that same like humor, which mm-hmm. I found very funny. And but I feel like I it still rains, do. I feel like there is like another hand that's like, hey Adam, why don't we just sort of like. Make this into a proper, you know, right. story that goes somewhere and characters you can actually be invested in rather than horrible people who win in the end, like both right. Billy Madison and Happy yeah. Gilmore. <laughs> well, and this is uh, when when this came out and I saw it, it was well before I actually 
played in wedding bands all the time. So oh, I wonder yeah. if so this you'll have, have a, a indis- inside industry, like inside baseball yeah. view of this. You're like, that doesn't happen at weddings. And I wonder if this is like, that's not how vows are said. This movie's garbage. That's how you. Bowser said vows. It? Oh, va- okay. That vows are a part of a sense. wedding. I don't need to tell you this because you go to weddings all the time. You know, I've never actually seen a wedding. We just were there for the reception. <laughs> so. Uh, I like the idea that you want to get in character by watching the wedding. You want yeah. to see what the couple's like. Yeah, what what do you like, like in this highly organized, very traditional setting? That'll really get me to know yeah. the real mm-hmm. you as you do this thing that's been done for thousands of years. <laughs> and by thousands, I mean like maybe a hundred years. We've gotten, we've gotten pretty good at predicting how audiences are going to behave. I mean, you never know a hundred percent, but like obviously if it's a dry wedding and it, our end time is 9 p.m., don't expect much. It's not going to be. It's not going to be much of a party. Just why does the end time play into it? I mean, I know a dry wedding because everyone's like, I gotta go at like seven fifteen. Yeah. Well, if you're going to end at nine p.m. Now it's not. We've we did like we've done weddings like in the middle of the day that were party crazy. But like generally speaking, if it's like ends at nine p.m. or sooner, people have something else where they're going to go party. Like they're going to go. They're going to end at nine p.m. either because it's a dry wedding and it's just they're lame, like an opium den. Like or, go there. Yeah, <laughs> go to, or, take the party there. Or they're taking the red eye to China. <laughs> um, no, they're they're like going to go out on Lower Broad or something like later and mm-hmm. really throw down. But like really do cocaine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they're only sort of allowed to do th- cocaine at the reception. Depending on the you have a rule on how much cocaine they can do, which is just a bit. You know, two bumps? Sure. I definitely understand cocaine, so I would say, I don't know, two cocaine it, cigarettes? They still say bumps? <laughs> bumps? I know that because I watched movies in the 80s. It was and referenced the, a lot. Hey, you know what? Segway alert. We're about to watch a movie set in the 80s. Oh, yeah, that's right. I kind of forgot that it's set in the 80s. Oh, did you? That's like a big part of it. They, they got the crazy Adam costumes. Adam Sandler's hair choices are... Not going to let me forget. 80s appropriate, though. Actually, I would like to talk about whether it is 80s appropriate. It okay. feels like a cartoon of the 80s. So if I remember correctly, uh, Adam Sandler like, has a girlfriend and she dumps him. And so he's a wedding singer and he's just bummed out. And then uh-huh. he meets – she's like a caterer. She's like – or works for the caterer. Yeah. And – but she's like engaged to somebody else. I don't know. Remember a lot about this movie, I guess. Uh, yeah, and, and he's then, a true like in a very Adam Sandler way. He is a true villain, right? Very like the, preppy. Oh, the, like he's going to cheat fiance, on Drew Barrymore. Yeah. All this stuff. Yeah, and, and her then, full name is Andrew Barrymore. Did you know that? Andrew? Mm-hmm. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Huh? No, no. Um, she's a woman. Well, no. Like any decent people, I never assume someone's gender. That was a line in Lemony Snicket that someone oh. says. It was okay. very charming. <laughs> um, like so all decent people, I never Drew Barrymore. Was it E.T.? Was it the donut alien that, that got you? It's not E.T. I don't mind child Drew Barrymore. I loved coked out but Drew Barrymore. When was it's, that? That was E.T. Okay. I mean, she was. they took her to Studio 54. Like It was like, what are you doing? Um, I, I think it was when she got into, like, when it was the Drew Barrymore renaissance, the Drew renaissance. We started um, with this, kind of, right? Around the same time, Charlie's well, Angels. The, uh, well, no, 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 no. Uh, before this, like, okay. driving in the cars with boys and, like, okay. 
Drew Barrymore became like the star child Drew Barrymore, where she, you know, had super thin eyebrows and like would have like butterfly clips in her hair. And just like, oh, yeah, here's my astrological sign. Just like being twee and like star child. And I was like, shut up. Um, Although I do also back to Letterman. She did flash Letterman famously Mm -hmm. on a show. But the segment, this is one of the things that's been tattooed into my brain from childhood is that the segment he did before she was about to come on was like children had visited children. This is all in quotes. Children had visited the late show set and drew pictures of what had happened. And they were the, it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And I almost pissed of, my pants off her flashing him. No. Oh, it was just a skit he was doing before it. But I always remember like what everyone remembers is her flashing him. I yeah. remember this really great skit that he did before <laughs> she came on. And Paul just laughed and laughed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dave. Let me just repeat the last word you said, Dave. Sometimes I feel like that's my rule on this podcast. You say Ooh. something funny and I just... <laughs> <laughs> you that's... laugh like You're so Tommy Wiseau. You're so funny, Diamond. I did not. Anyway, how's your sex life? Hi, doggy. Um, so, and so it's just like her, like her pie-eyed optimism kind of thing? Or yeah, she's is... just like, I, it's just, it just seems very put on and obnoxious. Mm. And it just seems like, it's look, you're like the going... heiress to a... Yes. To an acting family. Like, stop acting like you rose out of the cabbage patch. Like, you... I'm I'm wondering what you want. Like, I understand what you're saying. And I do. Once you got into the Charlie's Angels and just grew up a little, it was like, okay, I can, this is fine. It's fine. Okay. So you're okay with her now. College student stoned out of her mind, like, hey, hey guys, let's all dance on the table. Like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So, is the, how do you feel about, their pairing in general, because this is one of many Drew Barrymore Adams. I have not pairings. seen any other of you seen their 50 first dates. No, that seems like where he takes advantage of an amnesiac, right? Overboard on land, yes. Um, on uh, above board, I believe, <laughs> or was he original? While there? very not above board. <laughs> uh, and then I haven't seen what was the other shit where he just admitted, uh, I make movies to take vacations now. Yeah, I don't remember. It was like about a combined family. It was like Brady Bunch, but in, in Africa. They were like oh. visiting Africa or something. It, yeah, I don't know. It's shit, mate. Shit, um, total shit. So I haven't seen any of those other pieces of shit. Because, I mean, I, like, this was like lightning striking, the fact that I would like this movie. Yeah. And by like, I don't want to like oversell it. It's not a movie I would ever buy, but it's a movie if I stumbled well, upon it on to. VH1. <laughs> I will watch it through to the end. But I would never movie. like, I'd never schedule to watch The Wedding Singer, but I will watch it if I stumble upon it and I'm hungover. You're literally scheduled to watch it tonight. Sorry. By the way, I have to, I have to <laughs> head out after this. Do you? I will never in my life <laughs> schedule a time a or purchase on Amazon or some other streaming service <laughs> The Wedding Singer, and you can fucking take that to the bank. I'm certainly not going to talk about it for an hour. <laughs> uh, did you? You saw it when it came out? And yeah, I believe okay. uh, Phyllis Anthopoulos saw it at the video store, and she said, "Oh, that might be fun." <laughs> All right. Yeah. And fine. I was like, "Mom, Adam Sandler, God." Phil Hartman doesn't get his due. And he didn't. And then he got shot mm. by his wife. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes, like, I just forget about that. Like, not that he's dead, but that, that how he died. It's kind of like Marvin Gaye where you're just like, you know, that's too bad, you know, whatever. And then you, like, read about it and you're like, holy fucking shit, he was murdered. Yeah. 
not that many people are murdered, like in the grand scheme of things. You're absolutely right, DJ. Yeah. And I thank you for noticing that in the, <laughs> in the statistics. <laughs> That's why we great find thing is, it so interesting when people do get murdered. It's not happening. Is, if I'm ever murdered, totally play this back. That's great. Oh, wow. That will be played back. Absolutely. I want you to play this at my funeral if I'm murdered. That will be fun. That will be fun. Even if I'm not. I'll just start, I'll just start talking about different ways to die. Uh, no, well, can I start at your funeral? Can I try and gaslight the crowd into thinking you had been murdered? Absolutely, please. That sounds like fun. That does sound like fun. You know, a lot of people here want you to think that he died of <laughs> cardiac arrest. But let me tell you something. This man was murdered. Dun, dun, dun. Thunder roll. If you have a moment like that, I insist that you have live musicians playing the dun, Oh, yeah. Dun, dun. I'm not a monster. I don't, I don't want a DJ. This isn't fucking amateur hour. Yeah. I think I know how to gaslight a funeral crowd. I need someone with, I need some, what is that, strings and, and probably a timpani? Yeah. You'd you want, like a, a whole you want percussion, but you want pitched percussion. Yeah, that's for sure. Anyway. So tin drums is what I'm saying. <laughs> Steel drums. It's <laughs> 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 like, all of a sudden, this is kind of a happy little uh, This is kind of fun. Triad. It's a little beachy. <laughs> Bahama Mama's being handed out for some reason. <laughs> anyway, watch it with us. We'll uh, be right back in the room. You know what's really sad about the 80s? Uh, what, DJ? Not only did they not have podcasts, I mean, they had radio, but they didn't have podcasts. Right. They couldn't listen to radio whenever they wanted unless they taped it mm-hmm. on a mixtape. A literal tape. Mm-hmm. You would have Cassette. to hit the record and the play button at once. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. And then it's, you know. And sometimes commercials would get in there because, I mean, you know, they have to pay for it somehow. Yeah. Unless it's an NPR radio show and mm-hmm. then, you know, they probably take a break where they play like jazz music, but it's not like they're not actually taking a break because there's no commercials. So right. Terry Gross just comes back. Two seconds later, and she's like, and we're back. We're supported by listeners like you. Speaking of, they also didn't have oh, right. Patreon.com. And they certainly didn't have that Patreon. That was literally the next thing I was going to say, but you interrupted me. They certainly didn't have Patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot, <laughs> which is where you can go to support this podcast. Uh, you can get your name in the credits. Uh, you can get your name uh, in the written credits. You can get a picture from Damon. You can get a song from me. All kinds of great stuff. Uh, if you sign up at different levels. So uh, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Uh, take advantage of the technology that exists in modern times. Won't you? <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We are back from the 80s. We're back to the future wow it is 2015 and jaws 27 is out mm-hmm. and the cubbies won the pennant only two of those things are true one of those things is true <laughs> i mean you're you're correct in that it has been 2015 it was so i was right is what we i didn't have a 2015 yes so two of the things are true they were true but are not currently true we watched the Wedding Singer, starring Adam Sandler. All right, Adam Sandler is a wedding singer. Uh-huh. He's, is he in the title of the movie? He is the titular wedding Thank singer. You. I'm okay. sorry. Uh, he's engaged to be married to a woman named Linda, who looks nothing like Catherine O'Hare, despite what you keep saying. Some might say she did. Uh, 
he's left at the altar by her, but meanwhile, he has met uh, a spunky little gal played by Droobs, Drew Barrymore, and he begins to fall in love with her, and unfortunately, she's engaged to be married to this dickhead guy named Glenn. Adam Sandler's character, Robbie, finds out that Glenn is a cheating, conniving bastard. (gasps) That's horrible news for Julia. Eventually, they decide, Julia and Glenn decide to elope because she can't stand to be around Robbie because she's also fallen for him. Mm, Okay. But they end up on the same flight to Vegas, and Robbie sings a song. She realizes the error of her ways. They fall in love. They live happily ever. That's great. Thank you. Billy Idol is also on the plane. (laughs) It's important to note that Billy Idol is also there. Yeah. Um, okay, great. That was great. That was much better uh, than anyone could do, probably. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Because I'm not a musician. Yes, please. And be honest here. Uh-huh. We're both in long-term relationships, but we're mm-hmm. just... I'm married. Honest. So. Yeah, no, that's, okay. that's what I mean by love. That, <laughs> okay. can, that counts. If I brought David, I don't know. You, I think you're about to ask me out, and it's going to be really awkward. Just so you know, I'm if married. If I ever brought you staff paper with words and music by DJ Phillips at the top... <laughs> Would you fall in love with me? Answer the question. Be honest. You be honest. Now think about all the hours you've wasted writing <laughs> words and music by DJ Phillips at the top of your staff paper. So think about that before you answer the question. Okay. Do you think I could put this in a printer? <laughs> and print no, on because it? it's 1985 and printers hadn't been invented yet. Oh, yeah. We were still shipping all paper to monks in monasteries to write out this stuff. You, you had to have the little the little holes on the side, <laughs> that printer. And then you folded them on each other, and you had a little sort of like paper <laughs> slinky. And I'd rip it every single fucking time. Now, see, that shows your craftsmanship wasn't up to par. That is true. First note, Adam Sandler's a pretty good singer. Um, this is really him singing, and I, you know, when he tries, when he like isn't doing like a comedic voice, a funny voice. Like an opera man-like voice. Yes, yeah. yeah. Or I a, did write or a, a note. Somebody kill me, please. <laughs> I did write yeah. a note that I found his singing voice sounded weird at first, and then I realized it was it was because he was trying. Yeah, to he hit was being notes. earnest. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, it's actually a good voice. Congratulations! And then he, you know, made Spanglish. Oh, the movie. The I movie was like, Spanglish. I don't remember him singing. I don't remember him singing in Spanglish. <laughs> Cloris uh, Leachman, you don't remember her showing up in this movie <laughs> as a flight attendant? Uh, we got a, a couple of our uh, friends in this movie. Alex, <laughs> Alexis Arquette plays uh, yes, George, dear, poor George wait, kind of character. Now, she showed up. She's a friend of the podcast. Yeah. What, oh. what, what else was she in? I want to say... Say it with confidence. You're a white man. Say it with confidence, and I'll believe anything you say. Wall Street. Oh, yeah. No, I remember when, one, we reviewed Wall Street, (laughs) and two, when she was in it. So great job on that one. You got some Stevie Bouchems. Yes. We got uh, Christine Taylor. Marsha Brady. Marsha Brady slash Mrs. Zoolander. Zoolander. (laughs) Um. John Lovitz makes an appearance later. We'll get to that. Uh, Kevin Nealon makes a quick appearance. Your favorite. Your favorite person. Let me ask you this. um, And I want to see who is your favorite um, Weekend Update anchor? Ooh, of all time? Yeah. I mean, Tina Fey. Ooh, you know what? Tina Fey and and, um, 
Which era of Tina Fey? Jimmy Fallon Tina Fey or Amy Poehler Tina Fey? I like both of those. I mean, I want to say Lady Power, Amy Poehler, but I think I like them equally, if I'm being completely honest. Okay. I, I think, think that that was finally Jimmy Fallon being like, oh, okay. Because before they were, he was on Weekend Up, it was like, why is he here? That's a great question. I mean, at least on screen. I'm sure he's... To a heterosexual man, it would be like, why is this man here? Yeah. And everyone else was like, oh, because he's attractive, but otherwise useless. I guess I never even thought about him as attractive. I'm not saying I'm like so straight. I'm just saying no, like I never even crossed my mind. My gay self and my comedy nerd self were in constant battle <laughs> because I was like, this man is dragging this show down. Yeah, he used but to look how cute. Okay, all right. He did. He like until he like started becoming best buds with uh, Justin Timberlake, and they had like some <sighs> some. I mean, I know it's kind of done now, or like it, people are over it now, but. Oh, I thought fun, we were on the same page. That's why I made that sound. It's a fun friendship. Realized. Like, I think, I think it's I mean, fun. It's, I, I, I had forgotten about Tina Fey, which is odd because I love her so much. Yeah. But I think uh, the reason I asked is because when I was a tween slash teen slash young adult, mm-hmm. um, that was my, when, if people were like, oh, Nora McDonald, I'd be like, fuck off. Because I was a Kevin Nealon oh, yeah. nerd. I liked Kevin Nealon. I, Although now I do appreciate Norm Macdonald, but I feel like yeah. a lot of people, this is the most snobby thing I could possibly say. They didn't appreciate him in the right way. <laughs> oh, so, Jesus. So they were all morons and I was super smart what is what I'm trying to say. Toxic way to be. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, to me, the writing wasn't always on point during that era. And so like, I like Norm Macdonald, but like when he's just like, he would just like try to force through jokes by staring. And it was like, if you just move on, this will be fine. And I feel like Norm Macdonald on his own, that really works. But I feel yeah. like in that era of Saturday Night Live, where it always felt like everything was like trying to force itself upon me. Yeah. I was like, this is not helping anything. Yeah. I mean, like anything, I think there's, you can find really great bits in every season of Saturday Night Live, even if they're, it's a terrible season. What about Colin Quinn? Oh, no. Absolutely not. He probably is my least favorite that I've ever seen. Like I'm, I didn't, I missed like all the seven. I don't think I've ever stuff. heard him tell a joke that he didn't stumble his way through. Well, and like I've seen his stand up, and mm-hmm. it's fine. And it's fine. Like, yeah. and even like some of the other shows that he did, where I was annoyed, but I wasn't nearly as annoyed as I was with Weekend Update because it just he just like bumbled. Well, it's like highly scripted, time. and he was like had to deliver a line, and it was always just like like I'm talking right now. It was just shit. It was yeah. garbage. Why did you ask that? I Kevin Nealon. Oh, okay. With his uh, classic banker character that he played in this movie. Yeah, it's based on a sketch. <laughs> no, Fuck it's off. not. IMDb says it's based on this sketch from SNL, but it's like literally they both are set in banks, and Kevin Nealon is the only, banker. That's the it. only common thing. Yeah. Um. So this, I was a little, uh, and Lauren had brought this up as well. This is this does have a different feel than the last two Sandler movies. Like it, like, but it's directed by Frank what, Karachi. I don't know how you say it. Frank name. Lloyd Wright, and he also directed <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola is how it's pronounced. Waterboy and Click and a bunch of other stinkers. Oh, so like, Click. I even I like I retroactively forget that Click that one. Yeah, exists. I saw that one with my mother, and we were we both were like, that was fucking awful. <laughs> Um, 
I'm glad you were. So in it the wasn't it wasn't the directing that reined him in so much. I uh, guess not. It was maybe. I mean, but it was written by a guy that's written a bunch or a couple of guys. I don't know. But it also has script doctors, uncredited yeah. script doctors, like including Leia. Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, that must have been a, a large part of it. Yeah, because it does feel reined in, or maybe maybe they got some serious notes from the studio or something. Because like. At some point, somebody was like, okay, we're not doing that. We're not doing that thing where you just kind of go on these bits. We're going to have plenty of those bits in here. but You're not going to wave to Carl Weathers in the sky. Yeah. I mean, it does get wacky. There are wackiness. I mean, the the old woman who is... I mean, there's parts where I'm like, why is this part in this movie? The old woman celebrating her 50th anniversary while cute, like she pays Adam Sandler and meatballs. And those scenes go on for a long time. You leave... What are... Alan... Ellen... Dow, Ellen Albertini Dow alone. Oh, wow. Look at you over here. She lived to be 101. Oh, yeah. She was also, she's a friend of the podcast in that she was in a movie we watched called Sister Act. Oh, what was she in that? She was a nun. Oh. Which nun? Um, when they're singing My Guy, mm-hmm. changed to My God, mm-hmm. um, she says, we are, and then she does this weird little thing during okay. My God. That's adorable. Oh, she's very wee. Um, but they thus. did spend a lot of time on the meatball scene. Like, it was a good, oh, like. it just went on The bit on. itself was, like, good. Okay, and then she puts it in his hands because he doesn't have, and that's, like, okay. And that's a But joke. then they, like, it still goes on for, like, another minute. And then she grabs him by the hands. Meatball's still in hands. Yeah. There's a weird sound effect. And it just goes on and on. And then we have, like, another scene with her, and he, like, takes Drew Barrymore to go see her, and then she has a scene where Drew Barrymore is looking for Robbie Hart, and mm-hmm. she's there, and then we actually have the 50th wedding anniversary where she, you know... Sings to her husband? Where she sings to her husband, then does the Sugar Hill Gang. Damon, it's fine. I didn't even cry. It's fine. I told her it would be fine. Um... What else? I mean, we also get the weird uh, limo driving scene where they're where in the montage of Drew Barrymore, Drew's and Adam Sandler falling in love. Uh, he agrees to help her like fig- like right. find vendors for her wedding, basically get cheap vendors for her wedding. And uh, they talk to his best friend, the the womanizing uh, character named um, Jimmy Jam. Jam Jam. Grandmaster Flash. Eighty. <laughs> Uh, and he has like a limo driving, like obstacle course buildup, which is semi wacky, but still at least grounded in reality. I mean, not great. It's not Abraham Lincoln in heaven. Okay. That's waving true. down that's with an true. alligator. You got to give me that. That's true. It's not a penguin making out with Chris Farley. You got to give me that. That's true. I guess it is a, a cones, sliding scale. Cones exist in this world. <laughs> driving exists in this world. Cones. <laughs> um, I will say, like, at, when we were describing the movie at first, we were talking about how this character would be better than Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison, and that Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore are both rep, maybe not reprehensible, but well, the Happy Gilmore I would say is a reprehensible, violent man, and Billy Madison is a fuck up, and I'm supposed to be rooting for both of them, and I'm like, yeah. why? Um, and Robbie is kind of like a sweet 
guy. He's yeah. very shy, but yeah. he does have this breakup at the beginning of the movie, which like sends him on the course of a nervous breakdown, which turns him into a standard. It like puts Adam Sandler back in his comfort zone of being like a man child who gets to yell at everyone yeah. and be alarmingly violent at times. Yeah. Um, really just in the first act, thank God, yeah. but it's still disarming. Uh, he begs for suicide during one of his songs. Um, he causes a fight. He fat shames some guy at a wedding. Um, he sideburn shames another sideburn shames some poor old woman. Uh, so it becomes like, it almost like overcorrects into like a terrifying place. Yeah. But I will say it, at least makes his character interesting. Like Robbie outside of his nervous breakdown, he's just always talking like this. Hey guys, uh, I'm just sort of talking like that. And I'm like, Oh my God, what is this character? And then every other time, like anytime he shows any, um, interest in like creating an, an interesting character, uh, he, either wants to get violent or is telling his womanizing friend uh, how great it is that he's a misogynist and he should really start doing that and start, you know, sleeping around and treating women like shit. And it's just like, ugh, I don't know what to do with this character because he's either like a non-entity or he's like, well, I guess I really should overcorrect into being a horrible dickhead. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're supposed to, not to defend it too much, but like you're supposed to just kind of sympathize with him because he's spiraling. Basically. I certainly sympathize yeah. with him, and I yeah. certainly think he's still the most likable character of Adam Sandler's we've seen, but it's still weird, especially having seen Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore before this, which I hadn't done before watching The Wedding Singer. It's just right. like, oh, here is this character creeping in again, just this right. horribly misogynistic, violent character that Adam Sandler seems to lean what you, into. What you're disliking is his whole shtick, <laughs> is Adam Sandler's whole shtick, which is fair, but uh, it is, I guess, to, I don't know, to use a word Although that Although this may time, he has a guitar. Yes. And it's it's used another bit of Adam Stan- Sandler's stick. Yes. And it's used a little bit more judiciously. You have to admit that. Like he- No, absolutely. Yeah. But I think watching these sh- these movies in order like I have, which is not something I've done before, changed like tinged this whole movie in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I I never really looked at it that way, but it does make sense. Uh there is one I never realized that it was what I was quoting, but I do say I'm a I'm a person too. God damn it! Wait, <laughs> Which who is says what that? Buscemi says that when he's he's like <laughs> the drunk best man brother of the of the groom in the in the first act in the first right. wedding that we see before he was a thing before. Well, I mean, Buscemi was this? Was, I mean, Buscemi came with it became a thing. Fargo. When was Armageddon? Ninety eight. Okay, same year as this. What? When was Fargo? Fargo was ninety six. So maybe okay. he was a thing. He was a thing. Yeah. I apologize. I'm sorry, Steve was Buscemi. That Buscemi's first thing, Fargo. No, I mean, but that was the thing that I think his breakout role. Okay, it's hard to think of Buscemi as breaking out in like ninety six because I feel like he's old. I mean, he is. Old I mean, now, he but, is old, but he's like and he was old then, like for like then, a person yeah. that we didn't know, right? Um, it's just kind of generally funny looking. What town does this take place in? It takes place in a town called Bridgeton. I can tell you that. Okay. Where, where did you get that information? Um, 
because Linda, when she leaves uh, Robbie at the altar, she she comes over to him to sort of like speak her piece about it uh, after the fact and says, I don't want to stay in Ridgeton my whole life or Ridgetown, something Ridge. It's like New Jersey or related something. to Ridges, Upstate New York, because they're they're close enough to the city that Glenn is Glenn is a Wall, Wall Street, Street broker yeah. or whatever. He, he and that's how bonds. you know he's a monster. Yeah. And that's he also what junk bonds. He brought our economy down in 2008. Oh, he's he's OD'd well before that. He might have jumped out a window in 1988 yeah. during the uh, during Black Monday. Yeah. I will say um, it's less so in Billy Madison, but Happy Gilmore. I know I just railed against these characters just mere seconds ago, depending on how you edit this. Um, but Happy Gilmore, he loves his grandma so much that he like puts her in a home and he's like trying to. And now we have Robbie like accepting no payment but meatballs from yeah. old women. Mm-hmm. Um, like Adam Sandler, one of his go tos is like make my character so uh, faultless that no one can like dispute his actions. It feels like. I just think it's like a screenwriting 101 thing where you're like, if you want a character like, you know, they're like, they drop some change in the homeless guy's right. jar. Like as they walk by, you're like, oh, that's a good guy. It's like shorthand. Which makes me think that I don't think Adam Sandler not realizes that, that, that Happy Gilmore is a horribly violent, disturbing individual. He loves his grandma. He loves his grandma so much. Do you want to talk about the 80s tally? I believe you were keeping uh, track of the 80s I do references. have an 80s tally. I decided to stop. I was at first counting songs, and I decided to stop that, except for extenuating circumstances. Here's what I've got. And I might have missed some stuff in the first seven minutes of the movie, well, which probably Just to clarify before you go through this, sure. uh, this movie is set in the 80s. I don't oh, know. Wait. I don't know if you gathered that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought that was present day and everyone was just like really tacky no see this is why you noticed all these references see this is why i have you around to keep track of this sort of stuff you thought this was a list of anachronisms but in fact they're whatever the opposite of that is chronisms they're chronisms uh actually so this movie according to a title card that felt the need to clarify it (laughs) is set in 1985 Uh uh-huh they reference magnum Mm pi Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yes. Boy George. George in uh, Robbie's band. band. There is an instrumental version of Don't Stop Believing at Robbie's wedding. I counted that. Um, A kid is wearing a Freddy Krueger mask. Mm -hmm. Julie is listening to 99 Loof Balloons on on her Walkman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone just shouts down, oh, I think uh, J.R.'s been shot or something. Like, it was just, uh, who shot J.R. as part of it? Uh, They referenced Dunkin' Donuts. I already made the donuts twice. That's true. Miami Vice gets referenced. Several times. Rubik's Cube. CD players being $700. (laughs) Breakdancing in a club. That doesn't seem right. Uh... Glenn Gulia drives a DeLorean. Um, Robbie uh, gets Linda to take off his Van Halen t-shirt because he's scared that she'll jinx the band and they'll break up, which they did in 1985. And finally, Flock of Seagulls hair gets referenced and it gets shoehorned in there. Yeah, it's very it's very shoehorned because 
Because the there's that, a guy that just has the hair. And yeah. I feel like this is... Inco- that would have been fine. Encapsulates Adam Sandler's sense of humor. This guy has flock of seagulls hair. It's very jarring. There's no way you'd miss it. There's a full-on, like, close-up shot of him. And I'm like, I got the joke. That's fine. And then he goes, to Robbie, who's in a rush buying plane tickets from this individual, he goes, you lock, like flock of seagulls? <laughs> And Adam Sandler goes, no, but you do. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I was concerned I didn't get the joke, but you just grabbed the script out of my hands and just sort of scratched a few lines under it in case I've missed it. We also get, and I think you maybe intentionally overlooked this, but I'm going to bring it right back. Please. We got uh, some MJ references. Uh, Oh, who? Michael Jordan. Oh, 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 yes. I remember everyone was wearing Bulls 23, but not 33. No, the, the, his, the friend, the limo driver right. is dressed like he's, he's in the, uh, the red, uh, members only jacket. The and jacket. The, yeah. And the, the one glove mm-hmm. and he tries to teach, uh, the old man who plays you're my boy blue in old school. <laughs> he teaches him how to moonwalk. And then there's a, there's something else. I can't remember what it is, but. I'm trying to, yeah, I don't know. There's surprisingly don't. few references to Michael Jackson considering this took place in 1985. Um, but it also feels like this doesn't necessarily take place in 1985. It takes place in just like if I had boiled down the 80s until it was a concentrate at the bottom of a pot. Like Kool-Aid 80s. <laughs> um, and it also feels like a 1980s that exists like where on New Year's Eve of 1989, it won't turn into 1990. It'll just turn into 1980 again, and we'll just go through the whole decade. (laughs) It just keeps layering and layering on itself. There was one point where Christine Taylor was dressed in a hot pink tank top that was over a hot hot, uh, neon green sports bra. She was wearing neon green... um, arm wristbands on her arm with neon orange wristbands underneath them while like having like a lace ribbon in her hair. And I was like, no one wore this even at the height of the eighties. No one would actually wear this in casual. Con- this is insane. Inside her house. Like, yeah, inside not her house, Just casually. This is just what I wear when I wake up and I'm making eggs for myself and not my friend. <laughs> it was just so obnoxious. Um, it, was this like the first? And I mean, I know it's a comedy show, yeah. mo- show and it's not like a comedy show. He's <laughs> like an old man. I sounded like my mom. Like, I know it's a comedy. You do your comedy show. No, I get it. I get it. But I'm just concerned about the verisimilitude of <laughs> your chronology. It just felt like I w- actually wanted to look up like the years of these things because, I mean, he was dressed f- like Thriller, which is 1984. Three. Is it nineteen eighty three? So he's dressed in a uh, jacket and still huge in nineteen eighty five though. Still huge, yeah. but like would would Adam Sandler's character be so incredulous that someone will be wearing it like you look insane? No, he looks like he's impersonating Michael Jackson. Right. Um Rubik's Cube at one point, Christine Taylor says no one would solve this. I'm like, I'm fairly sure in 1981 someone solved this. Yeah. It just seemed like so I know they're not like going for reality but it was just so obnoxious in its 80s references that i'm like yeah. you don't have to keep doing this but i think this was like it was like a kid tap dancing for their grandma like please don't you're just being obnoxious at this point but i think like recently culminating in shit like ready player one where it's like 
okay. <laughs> you know stuff. Like, I think this was before that got to the degree that it is now. Like, where of the, the nostalgia for the for the 80s, for the 90s now, and whatever. Yeah. Like, I think this this was like, I'm not saying it was a new thing to reference the 80s in a movie by any means, but like, I think this was like... I think at that point it was kind of It kinda was new. more... It was, yeah. It was not like it happened every day like I feel like it does now where everybody's like making podcasts about things they watched when they, in the, the oh 80s. God, it's so exhausting. Can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> now, this is a podcast about sh- movies in the 90s that are about the 80s. <laughs> so I can't wait to different. have someone make a podcast about, about podcasts. <laughs> There was anyway. Um, I have to uh, since I do play in a cover band and we do events, including please, weddings. Please, I have to talk about a few things. Number one, the very first scene, or very one of the very first scenes, uh, Steve Buscemi's character makes a mess of things because he's drunk and he's the best man, and his dad never loved him or whatever. Why don't you be more like your brother? And then. Adam Sandler kind of saves the day. He like mm-hmm. gives more of a love speech and like, you know, kind of shoes Buscemi away and helps the kid out and all this stuff. Absolutely under no circumstances would that happen. <laughs> you let those awkward things happen because they're the best part of my day. Uh, I mean, I love playing music. It's, I have a really great job, but like, but like when shit like that happens, when we're standing there awkwardly and a best man starts to go off about like the crazy things that he and the, it's, Awesome. Most of the time we can't understand them because people don't know how to talk into microphones. Is this about me? No. But yes. Also you. Also you. No, people like to use microphones that they're speaking into as pointers. So they'll be like, so Bob over there. You're like, no, you can't point to Bob while you're Your voice goes into the part that looks like a... Hold it like an ice cream cone. Hold it like an ice cream cone. Um, don't, don't lick it. Don't lick it. God damn it. And don't drop. I know you think it's funny. Don't drop the mic. The, the one singer, like the back, the normally an instrumentalist who sings one song and only one song. Pretty accurate. (laughs) Uh, That is true. Alexis Arquette has a pretty good, uh, joke where. It's a good bit. Yeah. He sings, do you really want to hurt me? Yeah. Yeah. And then Adam Sanders. And that's it. I'm saying there's out like helping the kid and talking to Julia Gulia and, uh, and then he's not back yet. And so there, he just gives the loop it sign and they just sort of give me time, which we also get a great moment when someone just yells, you suck. <laughs> it's not the, it's not the most clever insult, but it's pretty funny. Um, at that time, I think it was fairly new in 1985. Don't stop believing was, you know, fresh hotness. Don't stop believing has, Never stopped being played at weddings. It's still happening. There has been a resurgence, uh, obviously. Like I, I'm sure, sometime in the uh, I'm like in 1998, maybe it wasn't as I wasn't playing weddings then. I don't know, but it's certainly back with a vengeance now. Um, if you've ever been in a bar with straight people in it, don't stop believing will be played, and they will sing with it. Oh yeah, especially like, that high part. Stop um, it. There is a stigma about being in cover bands that were right about that, about like, you know, no one wants to sing other people's music. Right. But, uh, I mean, it pays better, so that's why we do it. <laughs> um, and no one wants to hear uh, my, my music at their wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Remember um, when we never heard this song? Yeah. 
Um, they Let's all, dance to it now. This is an interesting, and I, I'm sure this happens somewhere, and there's like some truth to it, but they all just work at one venue. Like, right? I thought that, that was, was little, odd. It was a little weird, and like, you know, you know, you have preferred venues, and we work at, you know, people work at a number of different venues, but it'd be weird to like have a house venue, and that's all you do. And it was a house venue that came with its own waitresses, its own yeah. limo driver, apparently, yeah. its own wedding singer, and there are, there are some that do that, but. Um, all encompassing. It was definitely not. It would be out of the. the well, it was norm. also odd because at the. I, I don't think I realized how odd it was because it was the beginning of the movie, but Linda, his ex fiance, yeah. she complains that, oh, you're always out every weekend at gigs, you know, doing weddings. And it's like, yeah, but out in town. Yeah, he's home. At his yeah. station, like at his prescribed location he's doing back on sunday wedding songs <laughs> yeah. he's back that night yeah it's not like he's traveling the country yeah it sounds like a pretty sweet gig actually <laughs> playing in one place uh they can just leave their stuff set up yeah That'd just tony you don't have to leave take the drums down it's fine makes, i mean he can take his cymbals if he wants makes them, me want to just leave the drums set. start a uh, venue where a band can just come and set up you know where the money is what dj you listen to me right now yeah you know me. I'm a capitalist. Mm-hmm. Chairs. Yes. That's where the money is. <laughs> Don't have any chairs in your venue. <laughs> and then they're like, where's all the chairs? You're like, oh, you want chairs? And you pull across the screen door and they just see rows and rows of chairs stacked up. And you're like, you want those chairs? It'll cost and they're like, you. yeah, I want those chairs. Of course, where are all these people going to sit? And you're like, $3,400. <laughs> And like that seems a lot for chairs, and you're like, you just say it again, thirty four hundred dollars. <laughs> this isn't really like correcting anything that doesn't really happen, but George playing clarinet and trombone is a good bit. No, I, just, I like that. I just he, wanted to put and that. And it under was the, like uh, the, within seconds he had put down a clarinet and picked, picked up, up a, a trombone. trombone. It's very good. Um, I have something that's probably going to spark a lot of conversation, so I want to save it. If you've got more small, I have some things that will spark conversation, but I have one thing that since we've been talking, (laughs) that's like the whole idea is we write things that will spark. Hold on. I don't want to spark any conversations (laughs) now. I just like to say a lot of tangential things very briefly. But since we're already talking about George, Alexis Arquette's character, um, at one point, about a third of the way into the movie, I asked, I posed the question, are we laughing at? George, or are we laughing with George? And you and I were in agreement that the movie, at least, was laughing at George. Yeah. And uh, Lauren, your wife, was like, oh, I thought we were all laughing with George. I'm like, I think we're all laughing with George. Yeah. At the points where we can. But it does seem like... They sort of embrace George as a character later on. But like in the beginning, it's definitely like a... Like you see audience reactions, like it's ooh that... He's yeah, in, the, there's George a gender a non-conforming person yeah, amongst right. us. Yeah, even though she's dressed as boy George and also gender non-conforming person, but within the zeitgeist, right? It's not like it's out of nowhere. People at wedding, I'm addressing you. Uh, and yeah, George is singing a, boy George right. songs. It's not like a veiled reference. Oh, what? Huh? <laughs> Do you really want me to hurt me? I'm not hurting you. No. What is this song even about? Um, yeah, it was a very weird, and by weird, I mean, probably just phobic moment. Yeah. I mean, Alexis Arquette is listed as Alexis Arquette in the credits. It's not like she was 
not Alexis Arquette. Yeah. Uh, and there, yeah, it's, the movie seems to want to keep her at arm's length, at least in the first act. Yeah. They, and they sort kind of, of treat embrace. her as, I mean, does, does the movie ever embrace her? Yeah. What she, you know, she's trying on wedding dresses and they pick the one that she's in and she's excited and they're kind of smiling with her. That felt and more then, like a, the movie's laughing at her, but we're taking it as laughing with her. Yeah. The movie. Yes. Like but we like, were like, like the I'm going to think of the best of you movie. I'm going to just go with what I want you I do, to be doing. I do think it's arguable. I think you're right. But like also I don't think like Julia Gulia is. Sure. Although she does. She's like, not a raging transphobe. Although when, when he, when uh, Adam Sandler says like, oh, George can help you. And then she's doing makeup and, and, and uh, Drew Barrymore is like, no. Although, I mean, she is doing Boy George makeup, right. which is a very, it's a niche market, I would say. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, I think, at the very least, some mild transphobia, homophobia. Like, they, they do that classic thing that we talk yeah. about of, like... Which is all the queer it's shit. all everything. Just pushed yeah. together into a big blob. They don't make a distinction, so it's hard to for us to make a distinction of what exactly they're grossed out by. But, like, it's clear that, that, that they think it's something to laugh at, not something to... All right, yeah. and I, I will say, like, when it's scenes with just Adam Sandler and Julia, I think, as you were saying, it's it doesn't seem as vicious as yeah. that wedding scene, right. the first scene of the movie where yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, what?" Ugh. And I mean, George is visual, like singing, like, like "Give me," t-. like it's it's played for laughs. Like, sure, George is is played as a silly character, right? As well, which is probably not the best, right? Right? Yeah. I, uh, Especially because yeah. she gets very little screen time, so those are the moments we get with her, right. which is like, ah, she's doing some queer shit. Right, yeah. And she, like, Alexis Arquette goes by she, but also George, they don't really right. pronoun him or her, but, like, goes by George, so I don't know. Sure. And which boy, just seems like, ah, boy George, George, we're done. Yeah, and boy George does go by... Yeah, boy George is he. Yeah, is he. So I, I can see where I like it. It's just kind of like hand waved away. Of like, yeah, it's, it's gross. It's weird. It's funny. Like, yeah, you get it. Funny how? You you know what it is. <laughs> it says to me, like nudging me in the ribs. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, what's going on? Whatever happened to John Lovitz? I don't know. Cause... I like John Lovitz a lot. Like, I mean, politics aside, I do. He He's... has a very specific. God damn it. He has a very specific <laughs> shtick. Yeah. And has its moments. Which is and this the, the, smarmy, the, arrogant, like, guy. Yeah. And he, he plays it well in the one scene he's in in this movie. Yes. Which is, he, he's, he's a, a rival wedding singer yeah. whose business has tripled Jack, which is not something he said, but it's something he said in <laughs> SNL skits. Uh, or actually a Seinfeld episode. And so he's, he's been doing well since Robbie, you know, had his nervous breakdown. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he it's always fun. Like, closes ah, a curtain. John Lovett. Yeah. <laughs> It's very charming, but it makes me just miss John Lovitz. We need to watch The Critic, although I'm concerned about watching it because I loved that. And I'm concerned that either it'll just be great and it'll be hard to talk about or it'll be not as good and that's also not as fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it will be probably pretty good if a bit dated because it was right. so... It's very referential. It's very referential to movies that were out in 1994. Yeah. Um but I feel like I've seen it somewhat recently, maybe within the last five years, and it's mm. pretty good. You just watched it all the way through? 
No, but I feel like I've caught it on things. Hmm. Where did you catch it? I feel like caught it's caught it on things. DJ, I can't answer all your questions, <laughs> and I refuse. You can subpoena me if you want. <laughs> subpoena you. <laughs> but I refuse to answer your questions about the critic. Um, can we talk about Drew Barrymore or fucking yeah, what? That's that's what I want to talk about. Uh, I'm going to say something that's going to be controversial only to you. She's fucking adorable in this movie. And I know that you are annoyed by her, her presence. Her okay, That makes me seem like an asshole. In this movie. But I hate when she's around. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what annoyed me. And I told you this during the movie. Yeah. Every time she speaks, it's like it's the first time she's ever spoken. <laughs> so everything she says has to be sort of said like this. Every word has to get its own space. It's almost like she does not speak in contractions because she wants to make sure that all words have their due. I will I will grant you this. Her acting, not the best in this. Just in general. I don't think that she's any lower than anyone else in no, this movie. It's but, distractingly still. But because she has a lot of lines. And like Adam Sandler's is not a great actor in this, but he's like doing his thing. And he's like either, like you said, either marble mouthing or he's doing his big blow up. And it's kind of like, yeah, I, I get what he's doing. But she's trying to p- kind of play it straight. And But she's uh, she's very cute. She's got a little flippy hair. She gets uh, a lot of furtive glances <laughs> with Robbie. Uh-huh. Um, I think her face acting is very good. I think her, her, her acting. verbal acting is leave something <laughs> to be desired. Her face acting. You know what I mean? Like her, you know, she does and like the... Achievement in face acting. <laughs> uh, Ubi Meryl Streep, every time. Yeah, she's great. She's fucking great. Or just uh, whoever plays Bran, Isaac Hempstead, right? So, do you, okay, tell me, is that, is that all you had to say about That's Drew's? all I had. I mean, okay. I don't like her. I don't care for her. Did you, were you, because. The movie wants me to fall in love with her, and I'm not falling in love with her. Okay. Right. I find her to be a weird woman. Okay. I, that seemed oddly harsh but i don't like her and i wish she was dead two, uh, two, i got two more things <laughs> i got one yes i just ignored that <laughs> i get it i get it first of all some good songs in this like not just the 80s songs but his songs like the uh the bullshit song while it's definitely just uh like it was all oh, fucking bullshit yeah. that's a catchy song it's a oh, good yeah, song it's, fun. it's very funny um Disturbing. It's disturbing. Hell. Like if it was somebody was really singing that, I'd be like, "You need to find some professional help and all that." But, um, and then of course the "Grow Old with You" song. That's a good song. No, it's very it's charming. I even wrote my last note is "Hot Eyes" during "Grow Old with You." Yeah, I got hot eyes. It worked. His tricks, his marble mouth tricks, <laughs> it got worked me again. Um, God damn you, Adam Sandler. And your fantastic acting. And his version of Holiday is really good. Holiday. <laughs> it's right, right after the breakup. He's very sad. Um, is it me or did that it get kind of boring? Like the the third act. Like uh, before they sort of. I, I, I find myself. I found myself like kind of drifting off. It's not a long movie. Yeah. But it felt like. I felt like it was kind of dragging. It felt like. Uh, for all its faults, I felt like the story was moving along at a fine pace. I mean, a little bit predictable, but like, yeah. 
you know, you're not reinventing the wheel right. here. Um, and then it really got into romantic comedy uh, contrivances like yeah. Overdrive. Yeah. Where, you know, um, he runs into her fiance cheating on her and then he goes to tell her and he sees her dressed in a wedding dress and she looks so happy. But what he doesn't know is that she's actually imagining herself marrying him. That's why she looks so happy. And then she comes to see him that the next morning and she yeah. runs into his ex fiance, who's all of a sudden at his house. And I was like, this is too many coincidences. Yeah, right. You need to cut this down by 50 <laughs> percent maybe that's what it was it would it just kind of felt like a lot of that like it was a lot of that and then christine taylor like shows up and she's like she had to get married right away so they're on a plane trip to to las vegas and i was like these are people from richton Nark. why would they like they've already spent money like renting everything yeah. getting limo drivers getting a fucking wedding Picking band out vendors for like, weeks wait 24 hours and yeah. get married i don't understand um again i mean that's a romantic comedy contrivance they don't care about fucking money right um but it just was a lot of that shit where it was like, yeah. I feel like you can still have that contrived shit, but you didn't need 16 steps to get there. You could get there <laughs> in eight steps and it would have been fine. Yeah. Um, so, and I love an airport meetup. I know it's cliche. I know it's stupid, but it works <laughs> and it's every time. <laughs> it works every time with me uh, in that pre-9-11 world. Yeah. Um, but it works for some reason, whatever it is, it works. And, uh, so just like, give me whatever bare bones reason that these people are at an airport and I will buy it. You don't have to do a lot of fancy legwork to get me there. I will do what it's just like, <laughs> Oh, I work at an airport all of a sudden I, I off screen. I was getting an ear interview at this airport and now I work here. So you have to just meet me here. That would have been fine. I don't care. <laughs> um, but the 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 scene with Billy Idol and the you know first class versus coach class was almost perfect, except for every jump cut between first class <laughs> yeah, and yeah. second class was the same under uh, overhead shot of a plane going across the yeah. screen, and I was like, it's the same shot. You don't have to keep showing me this shot of a plane. I you've already established that we're on, we're on a plane. Yeah. But you may have made a revelation that I didn't well, realize, not, which you the, don't the realize, movie is yeah, trying but, to trick me into thinking yeah, they're on separate flights. Right, yeah. But they which, did it after we realized that, too. Right. So it's like, wait, you don't need to do that anymore. But also, I think part of the reason I didn't realize that the movie wants me to think they're on separate flights is they kept using the same the shot same of a plane. Yeah. So my brain automatically went, that's the same shot. <laughs> they're on the same goddamn plane. Um, but you, once they uh, they have like a great moment where the the flight attendant comes into first class where everyone is gathered around to listen to Robbie's yeah. story about falling yeah. in love with Julia, including Billy Idol, Grammy Award winning, I assume, uh, artist <laughs> Billy Idol. Uh, the uh, stewardess comes back to say, oh, you won't believe this because now they're all best friends. So she just announces yeah. things to first class now. She says, you won't believe this. This guy back in coach uh, said I was a grade A piece of ass or whatever yeah, uh, he had Glenn's to thing is, it, yeah. um, which is something. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's when Robbie realizes, oh my God, it's the same plane. Billy Idol, give me your guitar. I'm going to play this song that I just came up 
up with, blah, 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 they fall in love. Do you think that whole thing was a reference to, because we've seen a lot of 80s movies. It seemed we like have. to me like it was By a reference definition. to like the 80s thing, like the how everybody in Crocodile Dundee is like on board with trying to get them da- back together. It seemed like it was it was its own trope, but it was also like a nod to tropes from romantic comedies of like everybody like trying to work together to get the two people together. Maybe I'm trying to think, I mean, is it a trope of eighties movies or is it just a trope of romantic comedies that people meet up at the airport? Well, not, not the airport, the airport or airplane thing, but just like a bunch of like busy bodies helping them like get together and be really interested. I guess. Right. That, I mean, that might be actually, yeah. I do like that though. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Because it shows the togetherness of humankind. Yeah. Well, well, love, love. <sighs> Let's go to the verdict. Come on. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, hold on. I have to put my shoes back on. DJ, I'm going to take the reins all of a sudden, and I feel very comfortable doing it. Um, I like it. I'm at ease in a leadership position. Uh, (laughs) Verdict, what do you think? Your inner child is not an idiot. Mm. Uh, I thought this was a cute movie. We've at length discussed its problems. It's not a perfect (laughs) perfect movie, but I think it was great. Uh, I also want to nominate Ellen Albertini Delf, uh, who lived to be 101 years old for the Ellen Albertini Dow Memorial, Catherine O'Hara oh, wow. Memorial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will accept Award. your nomination and reject it. Oh, only for living members. Oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> no, I will. I will uh, uh, deign to give it to a deceased person. Although her meatball scene went on too long, that's not her fault. She's amazing. she's an adorable woman. It's the scene and the scene with her husband singing to him and, and got, give me hot eyes. And she's a rapping woman. The rapping was was cute. It it's cute. cute. It was uh, a good, well, like, inexplicable. It's it was inexplicable, but it was also very, very brief. She did the one verse, and then mm-hmm. we moved on. It was like, yeah, she's a rapper, granny. Sure, why not? I think if it hadn't been like part of the uh, marketing for the movie in every trailer yes. and commercial, yeah. I'd be like, okay, this is adorable. Yes, um, I will agree with you. The your inner child is not an idiot. Of course, this movie Here has we go. flaws. Okay. Uh, but yes, this is a. Uh, it's an adorable. If sort of by the books rom-com. Yeah. What do you think, everybody? And it overdosed on the 80s. Yes, it definitely did. <laughs> it overdosed on the 80s like people in the 80s overdose on cocaine. Stranger Things is the cocaine of 80s nostalgia, and this is the crack rock of <laughs> 80s nostalgia. <laughs> it's probably cut with things that shouldn't be in there yeah, in the first some, place. There's some nasty shit in there. <laughs> Uh, what do you think, everybody? Email us, your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can call us and leave us voicemail at 615-576-0525. Let us know what you want us to watch and talk about, and you can leave us a message. We'll play on the show. Uh, you can find us on all the social medias. Uh, you know where they are. You can look us up. It's called your inner child is an idiot. Just fucking type it in. And uh, if you want to become a supporter uh, of the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. And we'd like to thank our patrons, including Jacob Grimm. Corey Cummings, Brandon Hardy, Christine in Brooklyn, His Honor the Mayor, Jeremy Powell, Joshua Nicholson, 
Karen Kurt. I'm hitting the same notes every time. <laughs> Larissa Maestro. Dan McIntyre. Ghosts in the burbs. Was she always ghosts plural? We already talked about this. <laughs> and Jonathan Day. Thank you guys very much. You're helping us continue to make this show and to all our other patrons. Patreon.com slash child is an idiot. Even let your heart a remark and draw drips a girl with you. A hip hop, a hip to the hop, a hip to the hip, 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 a